Hey y'all, welcome to Humans of InfoSec Emerging Voices. My name is Vanessa Sauter, Security Strategy Analyst at Cobalt.io. Today, I'm excited to welcome Preeti Ravindra to the show. With a passion for learning and an aptitude for applying new technologies, Preeti demonstrates firsthand what innovation can look like within security. She acquired her master's degree in information networking from Carnegie Mellon and now serves as a security analytics research lead at IBM, where she focuses on improving the efficacy of IBM's Watson for Cybersecurity. In this episode, Preeti discusses her path into security, shares some of her observations about the industry, and offers some outstanding recommendations for seeking mentorship and achieving professional growth. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. So Preeti, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Where are you from? Where are you based right now? And what are your passions and your interests? Hi, Vanessa. And um, <laughs> thanks for hosting me on this episode. So you've already started off with four questions. And let me see if, yeah. if I can answer them all. So <laughs> I'm Preeti and I'm currently working at IBM as a security analytics research lead. I work at the intersection of cybersecurity, data science, and machine learning uh, to help find potential threats sooner. I'm originally from Bangalore, which is called the Silicon Valley of India. I'm guessing oh. most people who are listening to this podcast are familiar with Bangalore and India. Um, and I came to the United States to pursue a master's degree from Carnegie Mellon University's Information Networking Institute. So I've lived in Pittsburgh for a little while, while pursuing my master's degree. And then my job has taken me from Pittsburgh to Atlanta and now to New Jersey, which is where I'm currently based out of. And I think the other questions were around my passions and interests. Yeah. What are your passions and and interests outside of InfoSec or within InfoSec? You know, what, what, um, what drives you? Is is binge-watching considered an interest? No, I was just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> Absolutely. With, with the pandemic going, it's, it's one of the few things we have right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, I, I do a little bit of that, but I, that's definitely not my interest. I think um, the first thing that comes to my mind is that I'm dog aficionado. So I train awesome. dogs on nose work. No uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure if you're familiar with nose work. It's basically a sport where the human and the dog are a team and the dog has to identify different kinds of scents and odors. I I really like this teamwork between the dog and the human because over here it's for a change, the dog leading (laughs) and, you know, telling or identifying things that as humans we can't and we're not perceptive to. So I really like I really like training my dog for this nose work as a sport, but I mostly do it not for competition but for my dog's entertainment. She really <laughs> likes it. She enjoys it. She's good at it, so I do it for her, and I've started enjoying it as well. <laughs> cool. And what kind of dog do you have? Uh, I have a um, golden retriever and a Siberian husky mix. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and she's actually from Turkey. She's a rescue from Turkey. Oh, that is so cool. She's yeah, an she international came, dog. Yeah, she came to me with a Turkish passport. I find that really funny. It's an interesting <laughs> anecdote to share. A Turkish passport. That is pretty cool. What language was she familiar with when you were oh, yeah. beginning initially, to train her? 
Yeah, initially she knew only the Turkish commands. So uh, fortunately, the rescue organization that rescued her does a lot of other such similar rescue missions for dogs mm-hmm. from Turkey. And they gave me a handout uh, that translated commands from Turkish to English. And then I slowly had to move my dog from Turkish to English. <laughs> and then now I think I've, after that successful adventure, I also taught her my native tongue. <laughs> <laughs> That is so cool. So she's trilingual. Uh, I, I don't know if she remembers Turkish anymore. At least I haven't <laughs> ventured into trying that again. <laughs> that is amazing. Amazing. Cool. All right. So you definitely have a unique passion outside of InfoSec. And I, I'm, and I absolutely love that. So um, can you tell me a little bit more about your current role right now and, and what you do? Sure. My current role is that of a team lead for security analytics research. I think this role probably needs a little bit of background, um, and I will get into that. Basically, I work in the field of security, intelligence, operations, and response, and I lead a small team of data scientists and researchers in IBM Security to provide technical expertise to artificial intelligence related projects in the cybersecurity domain. There are different kinds of advancements in the field of AI every day, and there are different kinds of threats in the cybersecurity landscape. So I'm really passionate about formulating and developing practical applications that lives in the research space in the AI field and, you know, sort of use data science techniques to enhance security products and solutions in this evolving threat landscape that we're in. Awesome. And and I know you mentioned that part of this work involves using IBM Watson. Yes, correct. Some part of this technology is about building IBM's Watson for cybersecurity. I guess I can just add some context here and... You can probably relate to it because you mentioned that you work in the security operations space. So as you're aware, one of the key aspects of running a security operations center, be it for the CISO or the CIO, means that they have to deal with a big volume of alert, you know, tons of issues, and they have to prioritize those alerts. It's high volume of alerts with a plethora of data out there. And it's essentially like the holy grail quest where you, you're trying to find that needle in the haystack. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, so it's really about helping security analysts identify potential security events or incidents so that the response is more timely. A lot of the security operations centers measure their capabilities in terms of mean time to detection and mean time to response. These are pretty standard metrics in the security operations space. And the shorter these times are, the better it is for the security operations center. And that is one of the key problems that I'm working on for which we use or leverage Watson for cybersecurity. I, I can go into more detail about Watson for cybersecurity if you'd like. Yeah, I would, I would love that. But I, you know, I think the first thing that comes to mind for me, and we can definitely dive back into Watson for security, for cybersecurity is sort of what you're describing to me is you are highly technical. You really understand security operations. You really understand the problems that CISOs are facing, alert fatigue being one of them. You're addressing this from 
at least from what you're telling me, like from an engineering perspective. And I'm really curious to learn, you know, how you even decided to enter cybersecurity and, you know, with the way that you think and with the perspective that you have, you know, why, why were you drawn into cybersecurity specifically? Okay, this is also going to be another long-winded answer. And the Perfect. first part of it is uh, <laughs> it's definitely going to sound cliched. So as That's a okay. Child, yeah, as a child, I've always been interested in solving puzzles. And I knew that I'd love a job that has an investigation component or a puzzle-solving aspect to it, if you will. Mm. And I knew that I'd blame all the Sherlock Holmes novels that I read as a kid. <laughs> It, it, it could have been really a lot of things, you know, I could have been a detective, like a genome scientist or a game designer, anything awesome. that sort of has a puzzle solving component, <laughs> I would be instantly drawn towards it. <laughs> so it's not surprising that I enjoy InfoSec and cybersecurity. And oh, the journey that I've taken has been, you know, similar to a lot of people in the InfoSec industry, where they have stumbled upon InfoSec or IT by chance or because they were forced to do it as part of a different job function. Mm. And I've heard many such stories about our leaders in the industry who've stumbled upon information security by chance. Mm -hmm. I think my story has been similar because I was looking for anything that has a problem-solving aspect to it. Mm. And it's been similar in the sense that I did not voluntarily or, or so rather I did not very intentionally seek out cybersecurity and I've done some other jobs that I did not have formal training for but at one point I decided that I definitely need to pursue some formal training in cybersecurity and that was because of one of my high school experiences which sort of led to an avalanche effect of being in this industry. Can you expand on that or if you're interested? You know, what was that experience that ended up being an avalanche for you? Yeah, sure. Um, so when I was in high school, it was when Orkut was popular. It was one of the very early forms of social media and social network. Mm -hmm. And that's where one of my friends had a profile and her profile was defaced. Hmm. I wanted to understand how that could have been possible as I was fascinated by that. You know, as teenagers, I think everybody does a lot of, lot of things that they regret later, but <laughs> I was really fascinated by how somebody was able to get access to her account mm. and be able to cause the damage that they did. I think a lot of other folks were either, you know, sort of expressing dismay as to the, you know, how somebody could not have had a proper awkward profile or how mm. some could, somebody could even have an awkward profile, <laughs> different kinds of opinions. Whereas my thinking was that, okay, there is an awkward profile, but now how do I know how this other person got their hands out of it? That was always there at the back of my mind. Mm. And when I pursued a bachelor's degree in computer science, I was very conscious in picking computer networks and specializing mm. in, in computer networking. So I really wanted to be that packet inspector because I thought that would give me the answer to all my awkward problems. <laughs> <laughs> How 
Had to start somewhere. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I did specialize in networking and I started out as a software developer mm. uh, working for Cisco in India. And then it was to develop a security product. And that's when I realized that, oh, I've learned networking, but now I don't know enough of security. Mm. So this is where I said that I've always felt like I've been doing a different part of my job function that requires different kinds of skills. <laughs> and I'm always, you know, chasing that next skill out there. <laughs> so I decided to learn security and thought I should pursue a master's degree. Mm. Um, and that's when I went to Carnegie Mellon and took up a master's program there and specialized in cybersecurity. And yeah, ever since then, I've been quite taken up with this whole concept of blue team, red team, threat hunting and reverse engineering. You know, mm -hmm. everything has always fascinated me. One of the things I'm really curious about, I'd love to learn more about is the decision-making process you went through for one Deciding a master's in cybersecurity was the right way to go. I know there's a lot of debate right now about the right path for, you know, learning security and certifying that you know it. And the master's degree in cybersecurity is one of the big hot topics right now. So I'd love to learn more about your reasoning and your experience behind getting a master's and also, you know, why Carnegie Mellon? What was the appeal for you on that side? Yeah, sure. So the reasoning behind pursuing master's it's actually not really a fascinating reason or really a well thought out process. It okay. was, yeah, it was mostly because I think there's also a cultural element to it. As you're probably aware, you know, most parents from India and China are like portrayed as, you know, people who are constantly pushing their kids to try and learn more. And I did not have such parents. And my parents were like the complete opposite, which is why I took it upon myself to you. Like, why are my parents not pushing me enough? <laughs> I took it upon myself to just go and pursue a master's degree. I, I really thought a master's degree would help me learn cybersecurity more. And there were not, at that point in time, there were not as many formal taught courses in universities back in India. Uh, which is why I decided to come here. And I did consider a couple of programs, but I really thought Carnegie Mellon was a good program in the sense that they excelled in both the computer science discipline as well as the cybersecurity and AI discipline. It was mostly, I mean, the reasoning there was mostly that even if I later changed my mind that I do not belong in the cybersecurity field, I would always have... <laughs> an equally good fallback option to pursue. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. That makes a lot of sense. So what you're telling me is that, and obviously from what you've described already, you are highly self-motivated um, and, and an avid learner and, and love puzzles. So it seems like InfoSec is a great fit for you. <laughs> yes. Thanks. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, I just try to push myself and learn more and I'm always curious. <laughs> That's great. I, th I think curiosity is one of the best traits for someone in InfoSec and just in general, the willingness and the eagerness to constantly want to learn is, you know, almost a necessity in our field just with how quickly things are moving. So that's really cool. So, you know, what did you expect when you first entered cybersecurity? 
That's an easy answer. I think I was expecting everyone to be wearing a black hoodie and sitting in a dark corner in a basement, <laughs> just typing keystrokes, but having a super awesome GUI for every locker and every <laughs> computer system out there. It was yeah. a pretty distorted notion that I had. Um, that, you know, everybody, you know, it's just, you know, quick typing and then you're like the super cool person who can just break into any secure system. Yeah, that was a pretty distorted notion. <laughs> and uh, the other notion that I had was that, you know, after the previous notion was shattered, the next <laughs> notion that I had was that people would always be like, huh, I bested you, you know, I, I, I can do better than you. I can do it quicker than you. I can be more creative than you. I think, you know, I had that sort of an expectation or uh, fear, but mm -hmm. I realized that that's not the case at all as well. A lot of people in the infosec industry seem to be very welcoming. Mm -hmm. uh, they're willing to spare resources and time to help you learn the craft. Whatever it may be that they practice, I think people are willing to be very, very welcoming and, you know, they share all of their knowledge. As with any other field, I think there will be certain exceptions. And if you happen to meet such ex exceptions, it's it's just bad luck. But I think in general, most of the people are really nice in this industry. That's cool. Okay. So I guess that also leads to you know the next question I have, which is what has surprised you the most since you've joined? <laughs> it's it's definitely the, uh, the whole knowledge sharing aspect mm. within the community that is a positive. Mm. Uh, unlike other fields, we do not write down academic papers, but we mostly write blogs. Or yep. We mostly have, <laughs> you know, talks in very informal conferences and places. I think we mm -hmm. have the most fun. We should definitely give credit to people in the cybersecurity industry. We definitely have the most fun when it comes oh, to yeah. <laughs> we definitely do that's for sure it gets us into a little bit of trouble sometimes <laughs> <laughs> that's true too so yeah I think in general that's one of the things that has uh that has surprised me you know mm. uh, that everybody mm. within the community is, is is very willing to share their knowledge mm -hmm. and one other thing uh that if you actually think about it a bit deeper is um is the diversity of humans in infosec that that I think is quite fascinating. Uh, I, I, I know it sounds cliched because this is the Humans of Infosec podcast, but <laughs> in the encounters that I've had, um, I do think that everybody in the in the infosec industry has like such a different journey and such a different background. Mm. Uh, I, I think I need to make it clear that you know when I'm talking about diversity of humans, I'm not talking about diversity in terms of gender or race uh, because there's always improvements to be done there mm -hmm. but I do think that there's a lot of diversity in those skills and backgrounds you know not everybody Absolutely. has the same kind of education background mm. which is why I like one of the terms coined by IBM we, we say that for people working in the cybersecurity industry we need skills and it's a new collar job because mm. you need skills that are sometimes intangibles like being calm and composed under pressure, the ability to manage stress, uh, the ability to think outside of the box. So these are some skills that are not really common across 
other STEM disciplines where you're taught more to be process oriented, to sort of have a, to develop repetitive practices, you know, which essentially becomes a process to test your experiments. Um, whereas in the cybersec in, uh, industry, I think it's all about being creative and different kinds of skills that are not taught in other industries. Absolutely. I think that's such a great way to to think about it because there aren't formal processes in place right now for, you know, learning and development within security and there isn't a clear pathway. And so this idea of like a new collar you know, new collar jobs is so true. We're sort of building this on the fly. We're building this as the industry continues to evolve. And, and it does subsequently mean that people come from diverse experiences and have unique perspectives that they bring because the funnel is not the same for everyone. Yes. And that's, if you notice, that is also another unique thing about our industry um, in the sense that we have different career opportunities. You could be an auditor, you could be a reverse engineer, you could be a legal consultant, you could be a penetration tester. It's, it's a lot of different kinds of roles that I don't think anybody entering this industry would ever feel at a point that they have done it all. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you never will, you know, it's, it's we have the, the bigger industry, which is still kind of vague in a lot of ways. And then it's really about figuring out once you enter sort of where you specialize and where you want to focus, because if you don't, then there's just so much to learn that it's overwhelming and you're not going to achieve as much as maybe you, you hoped you would when you entered. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and for many of us, I mean, especially as you've described with your own curiosity, it's, it's actually, that's like, actually, there's a, like a negative side to that as well, which is if, if you don't focus, then it's like, you just want to learn all the things. Yeah, uh, that, that's definitely true. And then you sort of have a lot of breadth, but not enough depth. And that also becomes Absolutely. a potential problem at some point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. There's so, there's so much to learn. What are, some of the challenges, you know, in the field? And then what do you think could be changed in the industry? I think this is a tough one. So are you talking about challenges as a person in InfoSec or challenges in terms of the technology and the business? You know, I think both. But what I'm really curious about is sort of your own challenges that you face personally and, um, you know, entering the industry and being in the industry now. And, and what you think could be changed to, you know, make cybersecurity better? I must say that I've been quite fortunate to have a, a formal background in cybersecurity that has made entering the industry easy. Uh, I know that that's not the case for a lot of people because everybody, as I mentioned, comes from different backgrounds. And I think different people face different kinds of challenges. One of the Absolutely. challenges that I'm facing now is that there are many people who want to pigeonhole you into doing one aspect. And mm. I mostly find that this is common, especially when you associate the fields of cybersecurity and information security with information technology. Mm. You know, it just sort of, 
I mean, everybody just tries to blur the lines between IT, um, infosec, and cybersecurity. Yeah. Um, so I really do not think that that should happen. You know, I think cybersecurity and information security can be prevalent in different parts of an organization. And hmm. I don't think anybody doing information security or cybersecurity should be pigeonholed into a function of IT. While yep. I have not experienced being pigeonholed <laughs> into a function of IT, but I have experienced in some points where if I have been successful in delivering results in certain domains, they try <laughs> to pigeonhole me to continue to deliver results within the same domain. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, com competency can definitely um, be a challenge sometimes, <laughs> depending yeah, on what people expect you to deliver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's where organizations should actually think about how they're growing their employees and mm -hmm how they can make sure that the people that they've hired to do a particular task can bleed out and have a positive impact on other aspects that, mm. that weren't even considered before, you know, because mm. sometimes we have these different perspectives that can actually help us bleed out and, you know, create a positive impact that perhaps nobody on the other teams would have even thought of. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, it's an interesting way to think about it. You mentioned before you have more of a formal education than a lot of people who are trying to break into the field. And, you know, what are your recommendations for people who are listening to the show who, you know, want to break into InfoSec but don't know how or don't know where to begin? Okay, I think I have two pieces of advice. The Great. first one is find a mentor. Mm. And the second one is do not get lost in history lessons. So <laughs> these are my two pieces of advice. Really, I think the mentor one is, I think a lot of people think it's pretty straightforward, but I think it's important to find a mentor within the organization. Mm. Um, you know, you could even look to your manager initially to seek out advice on the technical aspects as you learn the ropes. Mm -hmm. And after that, you know, you could seek out a mentor outside of the team to get a broader mm. view into projects that others are working on. Mm. This is also a great way to build a network within an organization that you wish to grow in. Absolutely. External mentors are good. You know, external mentors, I mean, by external mentors, I mean that people who are outside and external to your organization and they can evaluate you in a different light as they don't interact with you daily. Hmm. And they can catch things that others who interact with you frequently are sort of blind to. Hmm. So I think this is something that I actually give myself credit for. I don't think uh, I would have been able to make as much progress in my career in the past uh, four or five years in the industry if it were not for the help of my internal as well as my external mentors who have huh. always been you know, giving me feedback. But there is another component also there. As a mentee, you need to be proactive and be willing <laughs> to articulate your goals so that Absolutely. mentors are more willing to spend time with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, it's, that's interesting. I, I haven't heard someone recommend a delineation in that way between, I mean, it, mentorship is, is commonly recommended, but it's interesting to hear from your perspective, you know, the divide and the importance of the divide between an internal mentor 
in your organization versus someone external who has maybe a more fresh, you know, a fresh or different perspective and being able to seek both out and, you know, and be proactive about that is, is, I totally agree is hugely important. Yeah. I think sometimes you establish some sort of baselines with people whom you interact with frequently. Mm -hmm. And if there is something that you could improve in your baseline, they're probably blind to it. Whereas Mm -hmm. somebody else from uh, outside can quickly spot that and give you instant feedback. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So I guess one of the last questions I have for you before we wrap up for today is where do you see yourself in five, 10, or even 15 years? You know, what, what kind of puzzles or problems do you want to tackle next? To be honest, I don't think I know where I will be in 10, <laughs> 15 years from now. Um, life happens. Whoever knew that we will be in this state of pandemic in 2020, right? Yeah, very true. <laughs> yeah, so I, I really don't know about the 10 or 15 years from now, but I think in the next five years, uh, I actually consider a five-year plan to be fairly long because Mm. change is the only constant here. (laughs) So in the next five years, I see myself continuing to be a leader and building my leadership competency, Mm. building my chops in the technical arena of both AI and security. Mm. One of the things that I find challenging is that both AI and security are so explosive fields, you know, There's constantly tons of information. The papers you read today in the field of AI are outdated next month. (laughs) And in cybersecurity, the indicators that you see this minute is no longer indicator within the next 24 hours. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really about building my technical chops in both of these fields and, Mm. um, you know, and really try to become the key innovation person who can lead the secure adoption of new technologies such as artificial intelligence and new other new technologies such as blockchain or anything mm. like that. Mm. And to understand how security plays a role in the adoption of such innovative um, technologies. So mm. I definitely see myself tackling these problems within the next five years and within the next 10 to 15 years. Uh, if if there were to be, I mean, if I were to be in a position where I could create a new role for myself, then I'd probably create a role of a CISO, except where the CISO is called the Chief in- Innovation Security Officer. I think that's what I'd like to be. <laughs> that is really cool. And I, I hope, I hope, I hope that that role will be one that you can take on. I know you would kick butt at it and I could totally see you doing that. So onwards and upwards. And it, yeah, it's, it's, so, it's just so cool to hear from your perspective, you know, this idea of innovation and security, because a lot of people don't see it that way, but it is necessary. And for security to be able to scale and meet the way the technology is adapting, it absolutely has to be innovative. And your ideas, I'm sure, will end up making huge contributions, both within IBM and across the world. Oh, thank you so much. I, I really <laughs> hope that comes true. <laughs> I, I know it will. I know it will. <laughs> thank you. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Preeti, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. It is great just to hear your perspective, especially as someone who has done so much in sort of the more technical arena, you know, working with IBM, having attended Carnegie Mellon. Um, it is really exciting to hear 
your perspective on innovation and security, which is something we don't talk a ton about. And as we mentioned, it's really important. And I can't wait to, to see what you do next. Thanks so much, uh, Vanessa, for having me on this podcast and for giving me this opportunity to talk about my career journey. Humans of InfoSec is brought to you by Cobalt.io, a pen testing as a service company. Like what you hear? Subscribe, share, or leave a review wherever you enjoy podcasts. And don't forget to say hello. You can find us on Twitter at Humans of InfoSec. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.